This is Big Podcast. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. Bigpodcast.com is the site. And if you are looking to have a podcast that attracts people, that spreads your message, that makes you money, that increases your influence, that's the place to go. Bigpodcast.com. While you were there, you may want to subscribe to this podcast. This is the audio version of my weekly newsletter, which is also available at the site. I'm going to go through these elements of the newsletter one by one, add a little more to it, give you some opinion that I can't always fit into the email edition. The first element is mystery. I had a great interview that I did this week. This was a guy who started the Disney record label Lyric Street. Disney as in Walt Disney. They started a Nashville label about 20 years ago. Rascal Flatts. Shadaisy, those were just a couple of the big artists that they had on it. This guy was there, and we were discussing what makes somebody a superstar. Something that I mentioned, and this is a rumor, I want to say that, but I heard it from a person who had worked for ZZ Top, and she was telling me a ZZ Top story. She said that their manager, his name was Bill Ham. You've seen him mentioned if you've seen the recent ZZ Top documentary. He refused to do Unplugged on MTV. During the 90s, MTV would bring in rock bands. They would hand them acoustic instruments instead of electric. So an acoustic guitar instead of an electric guitar, acoustic bass instead of an electric bass. And they basically play the same songs. There were some big hits to come out of it, some big albums to come out of it. Nirvana had a huge unplugged album. Eric Clapton, probably the biggest hit with an acoustic rendition of Layla. Anyway, MTV went to Bill Ham. They said, we would love to have ZZ Top in for an unplugged album. He refused. And here's the reason that he refused. He believed in mystery. He was one of these old school music business guys. I didn't put this in the newsletter, but well after CDs were established, Bill Ham was still taking demos on cassettes. He was one of those guys who didn't want to change. He saw how the music industry was. He liked it and he did what worked for him. That mystery, that was what made ZZ Top such a huge band in the 80s. Now, they had started in the 70s. They were well-established. They were doing pretty well. But the 80s, if you think about early MTV, around 1983, Give Me All Your Lovin', Sharp Dressed Man, Legs. In their music videos, there's another guy who's the main character in the videos. They're the girls who are the main characters in the videos. The car is the main character in the videos. ZZ Top, they would hang out on the side of the road wave at the guy. Hey, <laughs> good luck on this date you got, buddy. I believe in mystery too. And if you read my book, you'll know there's a big section there that I tell you to never put your photo on your podcast artwork. There are a ton of reasons for that. I'll tell you another quick music business story. I think this is actually in the book too. There's a guy in Nashville, Chet Atkins. He was a guitar player known for playing two parts at once, two guitar parts. He'd play the bass and he'd also play the melody black artist in the 1960s, Charlie Pride. You didn't see black artist in country. He's a great artist, a legendary artist. And a lot of people know him now. He's had a ton of number one hits. But back in the 60s, you think about the people who bought country music, well, kind of racist. You might argue that they're kind of racist still, but they were more racist. Let's say that. So what Chet Atkins did was he recorded Charlie, had a great album, didn't put his photo on the album cover, there was some mystery. Charlie Pride, oh, this guy sounds good. They liked him. A couple albums later, what? He's a black guy. 
<laughs> yeah. But by that time, they really liked the music. And also, the culture had changed. They were a little bit more open to an artist like Charlie Pride. And as I mentioned, he's had a hundred number one hits, maybe not a hundred, but dozens of number one hits. He had a long career, sold millions of albums. That might not have happened had there not been that mystery where people could fill in the blanks. He wasn't hiding. He was just letting them fill in the blanks. It's the same way for you. When people fill in the blanks, they can make you bigger than you are. So instead of you doing your marketing, they are doing the marketing for you in their head. I talked about this in the newsletter that we've all had that friend in a relationship with a person who didn't exist. And the person physically existed, but that friend who he was in love with was a figment of his imagination. He was making this person out to be better, more beautiful, more perfect, a nice person when maybe the person wasn't. Maybe the person was cheating. Maybe the person was married. Maybe the person was on drugs. You know, we get into this thing where we want to believe something. We say, oh, it's, it's just a little bit of cocaine on the weekends. <laughs> it's not a problem. It's not a problem. But it is a problem. And we lie to ourselves. We've all been there. I've been there. That's the downside to theater of the mind. It keeps us in a fantasy world that is not real and it's not good for us. But the upside is that theater of the mind can be powerful and it can be good. And if you've got something good, like your podcast, and you're helping people, by leaving out certain things and letting the audience fill those things in, they're making you to be bigger, bolder, louder, better than you might actually be. Radio has done it for years. Wolfman Jack. Speaking of the race thing, people thought Wolfman Jack was a black dude. He was not. He was a white guy who sounded black, whatever that means. ZZ Top had that mystery. Prince had that mystery. A lot of successful people have that mystery and it works. But we're scared to do it. It's like silence. You probably had this experience where you're interviewing somebody. You don't know what you're going to ask next. You're writing something down. You're thinking about something. You get nervous. What you ask isn't really thought through. You're afraid of that silence. When it comes to silence, we get more comfortable with it as we progress in our hosting abilities, you can get more comfortable with mystery. And if you allow your audience to have that, you will be giving them a better experience. So consider that when doing your podcast episodes this week and from now on, it doesn't just stop it this week. It's not just for podcasts either. It's also for your social media. Leave in some mystery. You don't have to tell everybody everything. Next up in the newsletter, I talked about starting a local podcast, and I've already gotten some feedback on this. People are like, yeah, 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 I'm on it. I'm on it. They are doing it. And that's great. Going local is by far the easiest way to attract a very specific audience, as well as high-paying advertisers. The highest-paying podcast that I have ever done per listener was for a neighborhood of about 1,500 houses. So let's say, I don't know, 5,000 people max would have been interested in this podcast. But it's not just geography that makes something local. You can use these very same techniques with any podcast that caters to a very specific audience. For example, many things that apply to a geographically local podcast also apply to the broadcast radio show that I do, Music Business Radio. Think about this. A guitar string company, like a local coffee shop, they are not selling to everybody. They want to reach a very specific group of people, in this case, musicians, just like a local coffee shop would want to reach a very specific group of people 
the people who could actually come to that local coffee shop. Anybody else isn't a match for these companies. And I know a lot of podcasters, we forget. We think we've got to have a big, big audience. Let's make an arbitrary number, 100,000 people. Could be 10,000 people. Whatever you think of is big. And we think that is better than having a small audience. No, it's not about numbers. It's about focus, especially when it comes to advertisers. That guitar string company, they don't care about 100,000 people. They want people who use guitar strings. That local coffee shop, they want people who can actually go into the local coffee shop, order coffee. If you have a small but focused audience, you're looking for advertisers, that should be your pitch. That is also your pitch to guests. If you're looking for quality guests, it's not about numbers. It's about who the audience is. I can speak to that as an author myself. I've got a book called Big Podcast. This book is for people who either have a podcast or people who need a podcast and want to use it for marketing. I don't want everybody. I want business owners who are looking at podcasting. I want podcasters who want to make their podcast better. Not everybody. So if you had a thousand people that want to make a great podcast and they're ready, I'm going to take that interview. If you've got 500 people that want to do that, I would take that interview. Most people are that way. To take it back to the music business thing, I see it all the time. I was at an event last month, Rockin' Pod in Nashville, more or less a rock and roll metal type of event. And there were big named metal musicians there, guys that had been superstars in the 80s. Metal's not as popular as it was, so they're not going for everybody. They're not on MTV right now. They're going for the true fans. If you had 500 true fans, I promise you these guys would have said yes to you. So think about that when you're doing your podcast. Go local, whether that means geographically or whether that means diving down into a niche so deep and narrow that it is only for the hardcore. If you got those people, you can get the sponsors, you can get the guests, you can make something happen. Being Oprah and having that mass appeal is great if you could get it. But the way that that worked was Oprah had broadcast. We don't have broadcast. We're podcasters. People are searching us out. Make it easy for them to search you out. Niche it down. Go local. Just try it. Next up, your podcast needs an enemy. When I was a kid, speaking of local, I used to go to a regional wrestling event. Not every weekend. I don't know. Maybe every month. Every two or three weeks. It wasn't the WWE when I was a kid. So I'm 10 years old. It's 1982. Mid-South Wrestling. These guys were in Mississippi. They were in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. They had three or four states that they would wrestle in. Definitely in Tennessee. Big in Nashville. Big in Jackson, Tennessee. Big in Memphis, Tennessee. And I would go to the fairgrounds to a building called the Sports Arena. And the Sports Arena, maybe on a good day, I don't know, 800 people. Not that many people, but quite a bit. The guys that we would see in the ring the promoters, the valets that would bring the wrestlers in, the wrestlers themselves, they were arguably a lot more like you and I are, people who are trying to build an audience, make a name for themselves, than they were superstars. The business of wrestling changed. Many of the guys that I watched when I was a kid, and let me give you a list of some of these guys, Andre the Giant, Jerry Lawler, Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, Coco Ware. These guys became superstars once they had broadcast media, once they had WWF, later WWE. But they started out local, they started out regional. 
They built the skills. So when the opportunity came and when the business changed, they were ready for them. You do not go from zero to a hundred. You go from zero to 10 to 20 to 30, just like in school, start a kindergarten, work your way up to high school, college, graduate school, post-grad. You cannot skip a step. Anyway, a friend of mine who's in the fight business, he asked me if I wanted to go to an independent wrestling event, actually the very same place that I'd gone to when I was a kid. So it's 35 years later. I said, yeah, I'll do it just for nostalgia. And as I was sitting there, I'm looking at it as an adult, not a kid. I'm having those flashbacks to what I thought was happening. And now I know what's really happening. Plus my friend was in the business, right? This is what occurred to me. These dudes are on the same side. They're in the ring going after each other. There's a good guy. There's the bad guy. And the crowd's getting into it. Boo. Other guy comes on. Yay. Crowd was really into it. But the guys in the ring, they're on the same side. They're building this thing up, this animosity, whatever you want to call it, because it sold tickets. And you're probably thinking, yeah, that's obvious. And it is obvious to some people, not to a few of the guys who are in the sports arena with me. <laughs> I'm not sure if they were just getting into it or what the deal was. Oh, ref, didn't you see that ref? <laughs> this, guy, this guy in front of me. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this guy really knew what was happening, but we did. My buddy and I did. You do. But maybe you don't know that the same concept, you've got to have an enemy. That works for your podcast. Nobody likes the Hooray for Everyone sporting event and nobody likes the Hooray for Everyone podcast. Yeah, for some reason as podcasters, we're thinking, man, I, I can't say anything bad about this or that or make a stand. I want people to like me. I want to be seen as a positive guy. I don't want to make enemies. If you want your audience to have a good experience, if you want to be interesting to your audience and make them think, do not be that hooray for everything podcaster. You need to pick a side. You need to have opinions. You need to call things out and don't just like everything. Let people know where you stand. You see those guys, and I guess there's a compliment about somebody like this, but those dudes where they never have a bad thing to say about anybody. And I'm not saying you got to bitch and moan and complain, talk shit about somebody. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good idea, but come on, man. Is that a real human emotion to not get frustrated over something occasionally? If you're going to connect to your audience, you need to be human. Humans have opinions. Your audience is looking to you to have opinions and to say things that they are afraid to say. They might be those people who never have a bad thing to say about anybody and don't have opinions, don't want to rock the boat. That's a service that you can do for them. So have an enemy, have something you're frustrated about, have opinions. It works for anything. You might be thinking this, David, you got a podcast about podcast marketing. Can't have an enemy. Yeah, I can have an enemy. Go to my Instagram account, the Big Podcast Instagram. It's Big Podcast One. Instagram.com slash Big Podcast One. You'll see me making fun of the Blue Yeti mic all the time. Do I really hate the Blue Yeti? No, no, it's okay. I got one here. I'm not using it, (laughs) 
but I've got one. It's not that I hate it. It's that it's an inside joke. It's that it's taking a stand. It's not about the Blue Yeti. It is about you investing in yourself. It is about you doing what it takes to make your podcast sound great. That's the enemy, and that's how it works. I got a good relationship with Blue. I'm giving him promotion. Because I don't hate the Blue Yeti. I'll say it right there when I'm making fun of it. Look, if this is the mic you've got, use it. The right mic is the one that you've got. But learn how to use it. Here's how to use it. I'm good with Blue, and they're good with me. Still, though, having that enemy, I'm going to put that up in quotes, that helps. People come to me, a lot of them, oh, what mic should I use? That's the truth right there, the one that you've got. But people like to have some criteria, some tips, some tactics, some things that they can do. They want to walk away with something. So that's something I can tell them. No, don't use a Blue Yeti. Use this mic. Or if you are using a Blue Yeti, here's how to use it. That is what having an enemy allows me to do. So think about that. Let's talk about Facebook. Facebook gives you more control with a feed filter. Facebook has introduced a feature that will make it easier for users to choose how content is presented to them. People like choices, especially about how and when they consume content. That is one of the reasons that podcasts are so popular. What does this have to do with you? Because you can do the same thing with niche podcast feeds and limited run podcasts. If you've been podcasting for a while, you've got some great content that can be more tightly focused and it would be perfect for this. You have some content that you can tell a new listener, hey, if you are brand new to this podcast, go to this page, let me get you up to speed. Here's how the podcast works. And by doing that, get them in the habit of listening to your podcast, get them to know you a little bit better, get them to trust you a little bit more, give people a little bit more control over the content that you're giving out. That could be hashtags, it could be categories, it could be those niche feeds, it could be a whole nother podcast. How you do it is not important. The concept is important. Give people control. I mentioned Rock and Pod, this event that I went to for music podcasters last month. One of the things that I was doing there is I was interviewing some MTV VJs, one of whom, a curly hair guy, one of the original five MTV VJs, and I was talking to him about taking calls from listeners. He was a radio guy before he was on MTV, really sharp guy. And he talked about how he was connected to the audience when he was able to take calls. It was a little bit different kind of connection once he moved to MTV because it didn't have that geography that I talked about on this episode earlier. He didn't have those one-on-one conversations. I mean, maybe an event, but it wasn't somebody calling, hey, can you play this song? That real true connection that callers used to have with radio DJs. And it was a bigger thing. It was a national audience. So things changed. A lot of times as podcasters, we're thinking, well, we don't have that interactivity that radio had. We are not live streaming. People cannot call us up and get on the air or call us up while we're working and have conversations with us. I'm talking about making it easy for people to consume your content or get information to you, get the content that they want. Part of that is letting them do that at the time that they want. And what we can do is we can take calls, and that's going to go in quotes too, We can take calls from our podcast listeners. Dave Jackson told me about a tool, and this is linked at newsletter.bigpodcast.com that allows you to take recordings from listeners. It will automatically transcribe them. You can go through them, find out what they are, what they're about. 
They're not the hashtags that you search for, but you can search for words within those recordings. Get feedback from listeners. Get stories from listeners. I love this thing. It works through the web. You take somebody to a page. Let me tell you how I would use it. What I would do is I would get on your social media, get on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you're using. I would send somebody to a link, take them to a page. It's basically a recording studio via the web. If they've got a mic, all the better. But using the built-in mic on their computer, what they can do, they can answer a question that you ask. So let me take it back to the microphone thing. If I were to ask you as a podcaster, hey, what kind of mic are you using and why do you use it? I could put that up on the page. Hey, it's David Hooper from Build a Big Podcast. The question of the week is what kind of microphone are you using for your podcast and why are you using it? Hit the red button, let me know, and I may play your answer on a future episode. They hit the button and I get something like this. Hey, it's Jim from Chunky, Mississippi. I got the Blue Yeti. That's my favorite mic. I like to crank the gain up and stand about like six feet away from it. I like to move around while I'm doing my podcast because it can pick up everything. It's so sensitive and I don't have to be stuck to a mic like every other podcaster is. You can then use that audio that you've collected to put together a segment, to put together an entire episode of caller responses. Show social proof. Show community. Add to the discussion that you were having. Take people from social media over to your podcast. You're going to attract new listeners. You're going to introduce them to each other. It's a great tool. Newsletter.bigpodcast.com has more information about it. I think it's a fantastic way to vet guests. If you're like me, you've got a lot of people coming to you that say, hey, I'd like to be on that podcast. Why not put them on the mic right there and give them an air check? You can make a guest application form. Make them fill out some information. Give them that red button. Tell me why you think this would be a good podcast for you to be on. Bam. You're going to know instantly if this is somebody who can talk, if this is somebody who's got a good mic, something else worth adding. Several years ago, I worked with an old school radio guy. The station where I produce my broadcast show, Music Business Radio, he was working at that station. I was a little bit intimidated by this guy. He was somebody that I'd listened to growing up. He didn't make it easy to know him. Kind of gruff guy probably at least 20 years older than the average person working at the station. They were all young and hip. He wasn't as hip anymore. And it was one of those kind of things. Like, where do I fit in? I got it. I'm getting it now. (laughs) So I'm somewhat intimidated by this guy. I didn't have the radio experience, yet I was in there with these guys because of my specific music business knowledge. This is why I picked up a lot of the radio and broadcasting stuff, hanging out with these guys, learning from these guys, that experience on the mic. And he asked me one day, he said, David, could I get you to come in the studio with me? I'd like to get some IDs from you. Or there was something that he wanted to record. Those IDs you're listening to, blank, and here's a new record from, whatever, introducing segments and things. And he said to me, I'm glad you could do this. We want to showcase different voices on the station. That makes it more interesting to listeners. As great of a voice as this guy had, and it was great. He did our original sales material to syndicate my show. Amazing. I still listen to it and I get chills. I think you could give this guy a script. Bam. He was on it. One read. And it was incredible. But as great as he was, it was the same thing. He did one thing, just like any of us. We've got one voice. Changing that up 
even if it wasn't as professional or polished as he is, bringing that in for these little segment IDs, that made people perk up and pay attention. Then it could go back to him. That's another great reason for using this tool. You're bringing other voices into your podcast. And that's especially important for something like this, a monologue where it's just you or it's just me, that one voice that goes on and on and on. Bringing these other voices in is going to break that up. It lets you keep control. You don't have to worry about scheduling guests or working with co-hosts or how the money's going to work. You have complete control, but you're bringing in these other voices and getting the benefit of that. So consider it, as I mentioned, it's called Voice Form newsletter.bigpodcast.com. That is where to find out more information about it, other use cases, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Also there, if you are looking for a podcasting job, I get emails like this all the time. People ask, David, do you have any work for me? David, do you know how I can get a job? People want to work in podcasting. A lot of times other podcasters, sometimes people who just think podcasting sounds fun. They're going to jump in right away and get paid for it. That's not the case. But if you're doing podcasting, either hosting or editing or production, even just your personal work, it's a hobby podcast, for example, there are paid opportunities for you. I have some of them linked via a site called Pod Jobs. All the links, again, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Podcasting is hot, and there are a lot of companies who are looking to work with talented podcasters, podcast editors, podcast producers, people who can speak, people who can co-host with an established CEO or somebody at the company and drag them through a podcast, making them sound more exciting than they might be normally. Some people aren't made for a monologue. You, on the other hand, as a podcaster with those skills, you can help those people get through the podcasting experience and make a nice co-hosted podcast that has your engagement, that has your excitement, that has your vocal variety and their expertise. So it's the best of both worlds. It has those multiple voices that I'm talking about. Again, a lot of opportunities for somebody like you. It's a site called Podjobs and it is linked via the newsletter newsletter.bigpodcast.com. There are a lot of jobs available, maybe one for you. And these are real jobs, by the way. This isn't some kind of biz op. (laughs) Going to make you do whatever the equivalent of stuffing envelopes is. (laughs) It's not like that. Yeah, when I was a kid, (laughs) people would say, the post office is hiring. You'll get a pension and you'll make a million dollars an hour and a free mail Jeep. And they would sell a biz op. And we see that with work from home stuff. And you see a lot of that with the make money online crowd. There was the stuffing envelope thing. All you need to do is stuff envelopes and you get paid all day and all night. Don Lepree, the tiny classified ads. It's still there. Like I said, the make money guys, they're still doing it. And this is not that. These are legit jobs. Newsletter.bigpodcast.com. You can sign up. You can get this via email for free every week, every Friday morning it goes out. I'm having a blast doing it. And now we got these bonus podcast episodes where I can add a little bit more flavor to the stories. It's a one-two punch. You've got questions, you've got comments. Bigpodcast.com is where to get me. You can write me directly. You can get that newsletter. You can subscribe to the podcast. Never miss an episode, never miss an issue. I've got it all there. It's at bigpodcast.com. Everything designed to help you grow your audience, make more money as a podcaster, spread your message further and make impact with what you do. Go to bigpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. And I will see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.